Jesus' name. I will worship. I will worship. With all of my heart. With all of my heart. I will praise you. I will praise you. With all of my strength. All of my strength. I will see.
praise you, Lord. We have victory in you. We thank you, Father, that you have overcome. Jesus has overcome this world, and greater is he who is in me than he who is in this world. Yeah. 
transcend everything that you've created. You are not the sun. You created the sun. You are not the moon. You created the moon. Transcend everything that you have created. You are not us, and we are not you. You created us and graciously have come to live in us by your Spirit. We praise you. We glorify you. I pray, Lord, today as we worship you now by giving into your kingdom that you will take the money and that you will use it and you will multiply it, Lord, so that your kingdom can be expanded, so that it can be given in places 
that will expand your kingdom. We thank you, Father. Bless our tithes and our offerings and gifts this day. In Jesus' name, amen. See you. my kids up here. Here's me. Hey, buddy. Well, it's the second Sunday in Advent, and um, the second candle has been lit, and it is, uh, it is the first one was uh, the, the prophet's candle of hope. The second one is known as the angel's candle of peace. Now, I'm going to ask you a question, guys. Hey. You can't hide. You can run, but you can't hide. Okay. How, have any of you ever seen an angel? Um, when I ask a question, sitting there stone-faced is not the way to do it. Okay. So I, I'm going to ask you a question. Have, have any of you ever seen an angel? No. Okay, good job, Luke. He actually, words came out of his mouth. Not in person. <clears throat> How would you see an angel unless it was in person? I mean, I'm just curious. Do you see a picture of one? Or wait, no? Anybody seen an, has anyone seen an angel? Patty, have you ever seen an angel? Jasmine, how about you? No. No? Nail it? No? Is that? No? Oh, okay. Well, 
I'm going to tell you a story. <clears throat> um, many, of, many of you know uh, my son, Corey. Okay? And uh, when Corey was a little, was a little guy, he, was, uh, uh, he would often come over into our, our bed at night. He would wake up in the middle of the night, he'd come over in our bed, and uh, <clears throat> he'd, he'd, crawl in, he'd crawl into our bed with us, and, and it, uh, <clears throat> I finally talked to him about it, and he said, well, I'm, he would get afraid. He would wake up in the middle of the night, it would be dark, and he would be afraid. And I'm talking about he was probably... What was he married for? Five years old, something like that. Um, no, it was just last week. <laughs> no, I'm just. <laughs> I'm just going to let you know that uh, what is today? Today's the fourth. Uh, in eighteen, in nineteen days, he turns thirty-six. So, uh, but this was <laughs> this was <clears throat> back when he was about four or five years old, and. Um, and so we, we started, we, we told him, he said, there's no reason for you to be afraid. You know, even though you wake up in the middle of the night and it's dark, that, that God, um, that you have, it, uh, you have an angel. You know, angels are ministering spirits that are sent to care for those who are a part of the body of Christ. And, and so we just explained to him the, the concept of, of, of an angel. Now, so we told him, I said, well, you know, the next time you, you get afraid, you know, just, just pray and, and, and ask the Lord to, you know, send his angel to protect you, and you will, you know, and, and he'll do that. And so it, it went um, a couple of nights, and all of a sudden he stopped coming into our room every night. And so I, I asked him, or Mary asked him, um, why did you stop coming into, into our room and, and, and sleeping with us? He said, because, because my, angel, my angel's protecting me. And she goes, oh, that's really, cute. That's really nice. You know, you're, getting, you're getting the concept. He goes, um, and, and, and he said, and, and, I, and I saw him. And just very nonchalant, very matter-of-factly, and, and I saw him. And Mary goes, what, what do you mean you saw him? And he goes, well, I, I prayed and asked, you know, asked God to send, it, to send his angel to protect me. And, and then uh, when I woke up, he was, he was standing there beside my bed. And we go, okay. No, we didn't. We just said, that's fantastic. And, uh, you know, now, the very pragmatic side of you says, Oh, it was the imagination of a child. Oh, it was this. Oh, it was that. Oh, it was the other thing. No, it was an angel who was sent beside the bed of my five-year-old son to reinforce in his mind that his God is there to protect him and he's taking care of him. And that's what he saw. Okay? Now, Patty, would you get my clicker for me up on top of my Bible there? There's a real preoccupation in our country with, with angels. Um, a, a survey a few years ago said that there's like 70% of the people in, in the United States believe in angels. Okay? Now, granted, there's, you know, a lot of different concepts. As a matter of fact, sometimes angels get more attention than than Jesus does, and 
that's certainly not good. But um, there's, a, there's a lot going on. And uh, let, me just, let me just show you a few things here. Um, there are movies that have been made about angels. Angels in the outfield. What did the angel do? Well, the angel helped the, the California angels win the pennant but by, by causing them to jump higher and hit harder and everything else. City of Angels um, is, a, is another movie that was made. A Wonderful Life, which was just on last night. I don't know how many of you watched it. It's about an angel getting his wings. I, I know Jimmy Stewart fits in there somewhere, but the angel getting his wings is the big story. Okay. Then there are television shows, Touched by an Angel, and there's a show called Dark Angel, which I've never watched. As a matter of fact, I never watched Touched by an Angel. But, and then there's another show called Just Angel. Um, there are bands and groups that are uh, that angels and airwaves, um, black angel, red angel, white angel, jaded angel. Have, have any of you ever heard of these groups? Oh, back in the corners, Tim. He's got his hand up. Okay. Yes. Um, as a matter of fact, there are books that have been written: the Angel Chronicles, Angels and Demons, Angels, Angels in America. We even have a baseball team, the Los Angeles Angels. We have a biker group called Hell's Angels. We even have a holiday for angels, Valentine's Day. Cupid is an angel, by the way. You know, give little wings. Okay. So, so the idea of angels in our country is, is something that is, uh, is well, it, it's accepted, even though there are some who may not believe in them or they are for other reasons other than what the Bible says they are. But the Bible says in, in, in Hebrews chapter 1, it says, Are not all angels ministering spirits to serve those who will inherit, and sal inherit salvation? Um, in chapter uh, 103 of Psalms, it says this, Praise the Lord, you his angels, you mighty ones who do his bidding, who obey his word. Praise the Lord, all his heavenly hosts, you his servants who do his will. Now, hey, Angels in the Bible is a big thing. Now listen, the message that God had for the people of this earth was so important that he had to have an angel delivered. It couldn't even be delivered by a prophet. Imagine all the things that the prophet said, but not this message. In Luke chapter 1, this is where we come in with the idea of the angel's candle of peace. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, Zechariah standing at the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. What do you think you would do if you woke up in the middle of the night and saw a big person standing at the foot of your bed with, a lot, with big wings and maybe a sword in his hand or whatever, the, you know, whatever they, they carry around? What would you think? I mean, like... <clears throat> You probably scream? Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure how I would react as an adult. What did you say, Jacob? What would you do? Sure. <laughs> you just, hey, how's your day going? <laughs> yeah, okay. So Zachariah was gripped with fear, but the angel said to him, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I'm not here to hurt you. Don't be afraid, Zachariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you will give him his, and you are to give him the name John. 
Well, six months later, God sent the same angel, Gabriel, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, What? But the angel said to her, Do do not be afraid, Mary. Don't be afraid, Mary. Don't be afraid, Jacob. Don't be afraid, Jasmine. I know you're trembling with fear right now. Don't be afraid. How old are you, Jasmine? Thirteen. Thirteen. Do you know? Do you know that many people think that Mary was about your age when the angel first appeared to her? Wow. So you wake up. You wake up in the middle of the night, and there's a guy standing at the foot of your bed. Jasmine, and he says, hey, Jazz, don't be afraid. And then he says, you have found favor with God, and you will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. And now, you have to go tell that lady over there that you're going to have a baby. Okay? <laughs> you see, you see when, we, when, we, when we bring it down to who, who we are and where we are, and we think about what, what was going on, I mean, can you just imagine what was going on in Mary's mind? Okay? Because she says she was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be and then he tells her this don't be afraid can you can you can you get the 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 irony don't be afraid you're just going to have a baby okay and you're going to give him the name Jesus and and so the the angels the angels gave these these great messages that carried a lot of weight because they were sent from God And people feared, they not only feared the angels, they feared the message that they were going to hear. But the angel said, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Everything's going to be okay. God is with you. You have found favor with God. Now, I want you to leave here and go into your your other class, and I want you to know this. There is, there is so much uncertainty in the world today. I'm, a, I'm an adult. Well, at least, you know, I consider myself. You know, the, the jury's still out on that. But I, I'm an adult. And I got to tell you, listening to what is going on in the world today is, it can really be unsettling. But God has it all under control. And because Jesus came to this earth, we don't have to fear all the things that we read in the newspaper or we hear online or we hear on television or we hear on the radio. 
the angel still says to us, and Jesus still says to us, don't be afraid. Jesus said, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives, but I give you my peace, the peace that passes all understanding. Thanks, kids. You can go. Miss Darlene's waiting on you. As they go out, let's just bow our heads in prayer. Father, thank you for our time together today in your word. I pray that you will open our hearts, our minds, our spiritual ears, and you will just help us to see uh, what your word is trying to say to us today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. (coughs) We're in Ephesians chapter 3 this morning. We're actually going to go through the whole chapter, and the way that we're going to do that is uh, the first 14 uh, verses or so uh, of the chapter are really a continuation of what we talked about last week. Last week we talked about how Christ broke down the barrier between Jewish people and Gentile people, how he how he brought the Gentile people into his family. And Paul specifically uses the, the, the phrase, the, the barrier or the wall of hostility. And there was a tremendous amount of hostility between the Jewish people and Gentile people. God broke that down. And we talked about how we as God's people we, there's, there's now nothing that divides us in, within the body of Christ. I'm not talking about out in the world. I'm talking about in the body of Christ. There should be nothing that divides us. Uh, not race, not ethnicity. Um, none of that should divide us. We, we love our brothers. We love our sisters. The Bible says if you can't love your, if you don't love your brother, if you don't love your sister, then you can't say, well, I love God and not love our brother. How can you love God, say you love God and then say that you hate someone who is made in the image of God and we've all been made in the image of God? So, so Paul is talking about how Jesus did that, how he broke down that wall, that separating wall. As a matter of fact, another place he talks about how the wall is broken down between it's not even male and female and slave and and, and master, all of that has been broken down. We are, we're all one in the body of Christ. In chapter 3, he continues that thought pattern for the first several verses, and he talks about the mystery of the gospel and the mystery of how it was that the Gentile people got to be included in what God was planning to do. So let's look at that, because I want to get to the I want to get to the latter verses because I want us to see there's another prayer here from Paul. There's another prayer, and and it has a lot of good things in it, and I want us to get to that and see it. But let's just read through so that we can keep our thoughts together. Surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me, Paul, for you. That is, the mystery made known to me by revelation 
as I have already written briefly, talking about the mystery of the gospel being available to the Gentiles. In reading this, then, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to men in other generations as it has now been revealed by His Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. In times past, it seemed as though only the Jewish people were going to be included in this. But now the Spirit of God came, and of course He, he, he filled the Jewish people the apostles and the 120 that were in the upper room, but then sometime later he also filled Cornelius and his family, a group of Gentile peoples, filled them with the same spirit, and they said, oh, they've, they have received the same gift that we received. So, uh, which is not made known to men in other generations, that has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise in Christ Jesus. That's the mystery. I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of His power. And although I am less than the least of all God's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God who created all things. See how he's going along here. This is a, this message of the gospel, this message of salvation, this message of becoming a part of God's family. It was, it was, it was hidden. It wasn't known. And, and it seemed as though the Jewish people were the only people that had any contact with God. That God, God spoke to them by prophets. You know, Hebrews says in times past and in various ways, God spoke through his prophets. Okay. This, the idea that the Gentiles would be able to participate in the unsearchable riches of Christ was something that God kept hidden until the time that Paul is there in, the, in that present time. His intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms, according to His eternal purpose, which He accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In Him, and through faith in Him, we may approach God with freedom, and confidence. Yes, Gentile people can approach Him through faith. They can approach God with freedom and confidence. Hebrews again says that we come boldly before the throne of grace for help in time of need. Okay. I ask you therefore not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are your glory. Now, in verse 14 he says, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. So now he's praying. He's, he's kneeling before the Father, and this is what he has to say. Now what you're going to, what you're going to hear in these next few verses, Paul is going to use... He's going to use some words that we just have to talk about for a moment. He's going to use the word power 
I believe he uses the word power at least three times. He uses the word strength at least once, maybe twice. And I want you to understand that when he's, when he's talking about this, and whenever we, in the, Old Te- in the New Testament, when we hear and we talk about the word strength, and we talk about power, it, is, it, it never refers to physical power and physical strength. Because in the kingdom of God, The Bible says the weapons of our warfare are not what? They're not carnal. They're not worldly. The weapons of our warfare are not worldly. So that's why Paul, later on in this same book, we're going to get to Ephesians chapter 6, and in Ephesians chapter 6, he's going to say these words in, put on the whole armor of God. Okay? He's going to say things like, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers in high places. Now, if our warfare is against entities that do not have bodily forms, if, we are, if our warfare is with the spirit realm, then how is it possible that we are going to be able to do battle with them with worldly weapons? Now let's just say, for instance, that I've got my, I've got my trusty sidearm beside me here. I don't have a trusty sidearm, okay? I don't own one, okay? But let's just say that I did, and I put my trusty sidearm on, and lo and behold, over, over here by the door, there was, there, there was a demon standing there. I said, I'm going to do him in. So I take out my trusty sidearm and I point it at the demon and I pull the trigger and I blow a hole in the wall. Why? There's nothing... You can say, well, that's because there was no demon there. Okay, but if there there was, what what would... The bullet would have no effect on a spirit being. It has no effect on it. So it makes no sense to me that I would therefore try to use a worldly method to rid myself of something, to try to rid myself of something, and it wouldn't work. That's why, that's why Paul says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're not worldly. Now, if you will allow me, I'm going, to take it, I'm going to take it to the next step. Okay? Now just bear with me. We're going to get to this in just a second, but you just bear with me here.
Paul says, and, and I'm probably taking away some of what my message will be when we get to chapter 6, but I just, we, I, we have to hit on it today. He says, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. Okay? You got that? Now, if someone, if an individual decides that he would like to do bodily harm to me, okay? He is bent on doing something evil to me. What is my response? What should my response be? My response should be, see, the first thought that goes through our minds is, I've got to stop this guy. But this guy is made out of flesh and blood. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. He is being influenced by something that is evil, and he's trying to do evil to me. So if he's being controlled by evil, and I'm being controlled by the Spirit of the living God, and greater is He that is in me than is in the world, if I now drop that idea that greater is He that is in me, and I say, oh, I know what I'm going to do, I'm going to fight against the individual who's being controlled by, an e by evil. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. Get where I'm going here? You understand what I'm saying? You can, you can stop the flesh and blood, but you haven't stopped the evil. We don't fight against flesh and blood. If, if greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world, then who is in charge of that particular situation? Is the devil in charge? The devil's controlling the individual that has and, and is causing him to want to do evil to you as a child of God. But greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Who is in charge of that situation? The devil? Is he, is, is he in charge? Come on, talk to me. God is always in charge when he is involved, when his children are involved. He's always, he's always, that's, he is greater than the enemy. What happens is that you and I, we lose that, we lose that thought, we lose that idea, we lose that truth in us, and we begin, we say, oh no, 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 what, I, I've got to react, I've got to react in a worldly manner, I've got to react in a worldly manner because somebody's coming, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. 
Yeah, but what if? What if God, what if, what if God doesn't step in? What if the Spirit doesn't step in? Yeah, what if? Does that mean that God's not sovereign? Does that mean that He's not in charge? Or does it mean that dying right is better than living wrong? There's a question you can just mull on for a while. Does dying right outweigh living wrong? Paul says, For this reason I kneel before the Father from whom this, His whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. Listen to what he says. I pray that out of His glorious riches He may strengthen you with power through His Spirit in your inner being. Now I want you to I want you to understand the idea here. Paul uses the word power. He uses the word strengthen. And it always refers to this inner strength, this inner power. He's not talking about strengthening your arms and strengthening your back, strengthening your legs. He's talking about strengthening your resolve, strengthening your perseverance strengthening your focus, strengthening everything about you on the inside. The inside is where you get your strength. The inside is where you get your power. The inside is where you get your perseverance. It doesn't, it doesn't come from your circumstances. It doesn't come from how strong you are, how much weight you can lift. There's nothing wrong with lifting weights and there's nothing wrong with, with getting stronger physically, but that doesn't, that doesn't accomplish the purposes of God. Because you can do all of that and you'll, at some point in time, you'll run into someone who's stronger than you. Who's got more muscles than you do. Who's faster than you are? He's talking about here, I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Christ dwelling in your heart through faith. What, is, what does Philippians tell us? Philippians says to us, I, come on, help me out, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He's not talking about physical strength. I mean, there's an application to be made there, yes. He's talking about an inner strength. It's that inner resolve, that inner determination, that inner perseverance. So Paul says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit. See, there's the spirit that is strengthening you through his spirit in your inner being. 
I, I hope, I hope that you and I never have to, we never have to suffer the, the brutality that many of the early Christians had to suffer. Okay, I, 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 I hope that that never has to happen. I don't see it, but I, nevertheless, I, I, we certainly don't, we don't pray for persecution. We don't pray for tribulation. But the world's not getting any friendlier. And Jesus said, if they hated me, they're going to hate you. When we come face to face, as many people have, even in this country and even of late, where they are being confronted with the idea, are you, a, are you a Christian or are you of another faith? And people who have said, I'm a Christian, have been killed. I'm going to tell you something, man, people. I don't care how strong you are physically you better have resolve in your heart by the Spirit of the living God or you'll never be able to say, I'm a Christian. That comes from a resolve that comes from deep down inside that's there by the Spirit of the living God as Christ dwells in our hearts by faith. He goes on and he says, and I pray that you being rooted and established in love, may have power, there's that word power again, together with all the saints, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Are you getting this? Are you hearing these words? That you might be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. I'm going to tell you something. I want to tell you something, folks. Listen. There's, there's no such thing. God never intended to fill you up a quarter of the way. He never intended to fill you up halfway with His measure. He intended to fill you up to all the fullness that He could possibly jam inside your physical body. That's what He intended. Now I, want to, I just want to say something here. I'm going to go take a little sidetrack again and I see what time it is and we're almost done. But I just want to, I just want to explain something to you. And I've, and I've shared it with you before, but I just want to reinforce it. He says here, I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. Now I want you to know, the Bible talks about, you know, how much Christ loved us. Christ talked about how much He loved us. And in, in chapter 17 of the book of John, he talks a great deal about he, how much he loved and how he chose, the, you know, he chose the disciples and how they, you know, all of that. 
And he's not just praying for them, but he's praying for all that will believe in him, you know, later on. But I also want you to understand when it, when it talks about the love of Christ, I want you to understand how much Jesus loved his father. If you, if, if you don't understand how much Jesus loved his father, then you will not understand the, the example that he was for us. When we talk about Christ being an example for us, we gotta, we gotta take you know, who he was and what he said and what he did. The Bible says that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Paul writes in Romans chapter 8 and he said, nothing shall separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Nothing shall separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. I want you to know that God, God loved us. Okay? For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. Jesus said to his disciples, the evil one is coming. This was right before his, he was arrested and he was facing crucifixion the next day. He said, the evil one is coming and he has no power over me. He has no power over me. He has no power over me. Everything that happened to Jesus from the time, everything that happened to Jesus, the Bible says that God had put all things into his hands and under his authority. So from then on, it was up to Jesus whether or not he went to the cross or not. Did you understand that? It was up to Jesus whether or not he went to the cross or not. He, everything was under his power. He said, the evil one is coming and he has no power over me. But I must show the world. Listen, I love these words. He says, I must show the world that I love the Father and I do exactly what he tells me to do. I must show the world that I love the Father. He said, I'm not showing the world that I love them. I'm showing the world that I love the Father. The Father. I love the Father, and I'm going to do exactly what He tells me to do. And so He goes into the garden, and He says, Daddy, He goes, Abba, everything's possible with you. Was that true? Yes. Everything's possible for you, Father. Everything's possible for you. Have this cup pass for me. Father says, no. That's my plan. Okay, Father. I love you, Father. I'll do whatever you want. I'll do whatever you want. And he went to the cross. Because he loved the Father. And the Father said, this is the only way it's going to get done. So while we're grasping how wide and long and high and deep the love of Christ is, let's not take away from that his deep, long, wide, high love for his dad, for his father. Because that's what took him to the cross. Because he wants you to be filled with the measure of all the fullness of God. And then he says these words. <clears throat> and I'm glad we sang those songs today about victory. 
And I heard this, I heard this verse quoted on the radio as Mary and I were driving to church today. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. You see, God's, God's power is at work in us. His, his power at work in us can and will manifest itself outwardly to others, but the work that God is doing is in us. His power is at work in us. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, what is God doing? God is putting us, he puts us in the world. He puts us around people who are not followers of his. He puts us in the world and he says, I can do immeasurably more than you can even ask or think. You can't even make your mind comprehend or come up with things that are greater than what I can do. But it's all happening inside us. It's causing us to persevere. It's causing us to focus where we need to focus. It's causing us to hear the cries of the lost. It's causing us to hear the cries of the sick. It's causing us to hear the cries of the broken. And that which is all at work in us, which is greater than anything we could ask or imagine, is trying to get out so that it can come upon those who are next to us who are hurting and sick and lost. And God is at work, but it's at work in us so that we can manifest it to others. And so when God puts something in front of us, He puts a sick person in front of you. And you go, oh, there's a sick person in front of me. I better call the pastor to go pray. What? What is at work in you? What is, what, is, what is God doing in you? Now to Him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to His power that is at work in the pastor. No. The church... The church is his body. The church is his hands. The church is his feet. All of those things. The church, he has an empowered us all so that we can all go out. If it's just, just going to be one person, then it's no different than Jesus being here on earth. He could have just as well stayed here and done everything. But no, He went back to heaven and sent His Spirit to indwell in all of us so that all of us would be able to do what Jesus did. To Him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to His power that is at work within us. 
to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Don't sell yourself short. When you sell yourself short, when you look at yourself as not being... It's one, it's one thing to admit that you're not able. The, the sin comes, and I'm just going to call it what it is. You can, it, it's okay for you to admit you're not able. The sin comes when you let the idea that you are not able, it affects your of being available. You say, well, I'm not available because I'm not able. I'm not going to do anything because I'm not able. You just call God a liar because He said that there's a power that is at work in you that can do immeasurably more than you can even ask or think. Admitting you're not able to do something causes you to become dependent on God. And then God accomplishes what He wants to accomplish by the power of His Spirit that is in you that is able to do immeasurably more than you ask or think. Father, thank You for our time together today. Thank You for the presence of the Holy Spirit within us. Greater is He, the Holy Spirit, in us than He that is in the world. Father, help us to trust You. Help us to, to believe what Your Word says. To just believe what Your Word says. Not cut it short. Not water it down. Not try to make it less than it is what it says. I pray, Lord, that each and every person that's here today will leave this place with a, with a renewed idea in their spirit that greater is He that is in me than he that is in the world. There is a power at work in me that enables me to do more than I can even ask or think. It'll change the way we live. It'll change the way we pray. It'll change the way we look at other people. It'll change the way we, we act in certain situations. It will cause you to be the first place we go and not the last. Father, let this truth just rain down upon us and find its way into the depths of our spirit. And Father, I just pray today that as, as we leave here, we just, we've promised to pray for these ministries and we're going to do it again today because we believe that they are a vital part to the work of your kingdom. We pray for our daycare. We pray... <coughs> For Todd and Shelley Marks. Pray for Chris Garris. Lord, we look forward to seeing her next Sunday. 
as she shares with us the, the work and of the, what your spirit is doing in Thailand. We pray for love serves and for the, we pray for the meeting at the transitional center next week, Father. Giving out of the gift bags and we pray, Lord, it will be just a blessing to those ladies and Lord, we know that there are some that are there that have never made a profession of faith and we just pray that the the kindness that your church shows to them, the message of the gospel will find its way into their spirits. We pray for EE Prison Ministry and we thank you for the, the work that continues to be done taking the gospel behind bars. All of these things, Father, are where you're working and you've just graciously allowed us to join you. We thank you for, for the power of your Spirit at work. Thank you for the power of your Spirit in us. And now, Father, as we leave this place with this renewed focus, I pray that the world around us will be different because we're approaching it differently under the power of your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.